How y'all doing? If our greeters could bring down some tissue. I tell you, man, I have watched that thing, I don't know how many times. And I, I thought this morning it wouldn't even hit me, because, and it hit me again. And I, uh, I just stopped and I think, why is it that a story like that moves us so deeply? I, I love the fact that JB couldn't even finish, because <laughs> he got so moved. And I think partly it's because in a story like that, there's like immense pain and sadness and sorrow. And then at the same time, there's this unbelievable gratitude. I don't know if you, I mean, I've watched it so many times, so I'm kind of, my ears are perked up. But the number of times that those people said, I just need to say thanks. I just need to say thanks. Um, to, to know, to know that if something doesn't happen, you're going to die. And that you, you've got to receive this gift of an organ to be able to live. And then to know, to get the call and to have that available to you. And that's what hits me every time I watch that is it's not only the person who received the gift and now they're alive, but it's all their family. You know, it's almost always harder for the person who loves the person who's struggling. And so everybody's so grateful because death was right on the doorstep and now there's life instead. And, and even uh, for Chris's mom, the, the joy now that she's experiencing in the midst of her grief because she's able to help somebody else. I love what the one guy said. He says, to get a transplant, it's like God gave me a second chance at life. It's wild that Chris Henry's life, his death, I mean, produced so much life in, in many others. Um, and again, like I said, not just those who received the organ, but those who, the family members also received life through that. Okay. So I'm just going to do a hard shift, okay? Because today, because today we're talking about sacrifice. It's a value here we have at K2. And it's funny because I know when we were putting this value together, there were certain people on our team and they were saying, you know, we, do we really want to use the word sacrifice? Because nobody really likes that word, right? <laughs> and do we really want to say that we value something that nobody really likes? And, but what's interesting is that's not true. It's not true. Sacrifice is always looked up to. When somebody sacrifices, we honor them. <laughs> There's something actually within the human spirit, I think, that when we see sacrifice happen, just like this story, there's something that rises up within us and says, that's, that's right. I don't know about you guys, but when Memorial Day happens, and uh, every year here we stop and we stand and we say, man, if you served our country, would you stand? And I, I get choked up every time to think about the men and women who literally said, I'll lay my life down on the line for you. And see, we go, man, I want to honor that. I mean, those who are in public service, our police officers and our, our firemen and women, those who are out there doing this, whenever they sacrifice for us, something rises up and we love that. Now, but we don't like it personally. See, that's what's weird about this, isn't it? If somebody else sacrifices, we go, yes. But then when we're called to sacrifice, we go, ah, I don't know if I like that so much. Here's the definition. Sacrifice is the forfeiture of something highly valued 
for the sake of one considered to have greater value. It's the forfeiture of something that's very highly valued for the sake of one that's considered to even have greater value, higher value. And especially when life is given for another. When people give up their lives and somebody else lives because of that. And that's Chris Henry. I love this when they just said, my name is Donna Wyatt Arnold. And I received the gift of a pancreas and a kidney. My name is James Benton. And I received the gift of a liver. My name is Thomas Elliott. And I received two lungs. And my name is Brian Pope. I will get through this. And I received, okay, the gift of a new kidney. The one guy said, he goes, I think about Chris Henry every day. Wouldn't you? Okay. And I think about Jesus Christ every day. And that's why. It's why. It's why we're here today. It's what I live for. Because I too understand that like death was right on the doorstep unless something changed. And if I was going to join their little phrases, I would have to say my name is David Michael Nelson. And I received the gift of a new heart. And I received the gift of eternal life. I received a transplant that gave me a second chance at life. I believe that with every fiber of my being. So I think about Jesus Christ every day. And because of that, at K2, we value sacrificing. And our, the value actually says we, the sacrificing of all self-interest for the interests of God and others. We value that here. We love it when somebody says, you know what? I'm not going to be about me. In fact, before we started the church, that was kind of our phrase. It's not about you. And what was so cool is we found 100 people who said, I love that. I love the fact that it's not about me. I'm in. See, and and it's really cool when that happens. The forfeiture of something highly valued, which is your own life. You value your own life? Yes. The answer is yes, you do. But for something of much higher value. And that God would demonstrate his love for us. What he's done, you guys, is he has shown us how valuable you are. Your life was worth giving up his life. Even if it meant he'd have to get on his knees in the garden and sweat drops of blood in anguish to make that decision. (laughs) This wasn't like, oh, this will be a fun thing to do. This was intense to the nth degree. 
And when I think about this value of sacrifice and why do we value it? Because our God in his very nature says to us, you matter more to me than me. And I'm going to give up my life so that you can live. And so I just, I want to talk through with you today. What is that value of sacrificing? Why? What does it mean really for Christ? What does it mean for you and for me? And, and how do we even live this thing out? And I just, you know, I told Susie again this morning, I know that, I know, okay, that what I'm going to share with you today is just foolishness. It's what the Bible actually says. It's like, this is so foolish what I'm going to share with you today. And yet, the Bible says it's the power of salvation for those who would believe. And so I'm going to pray, and I already have many times for this morning, but I want to give you a chance to pray too. And what I'm going to pray is that God would actually enlighten the eyes of your heart so that you might understand. That's all I'm going to pray. And I just want to encourage you. It's, it's what's really cool is God loves you so much that he never forces his you to do anything. He just offers himself to you all the time. And if you want to receive the life that he offers you, it's yours today. But I think you're going to need a heart to open up to it, okay? So let's me pray for you, but at the same time, Let's pray all ourselves and be ready to open up our hearts. God, I thank you for this truth today. This truth that there's life that follows death. That there is unbelievable impact that happens with sacrifice. And today specifically, to stop and to say thank you to you for showing us how valuable we are that you would sacrifice for us so we could live. And that's all, God, I just want to ask now in the name of Jesus Christ that you might open the eyes of our heart so all of us in this room might see you a little more clearly and understand a little more deeply to the point where it would transform us forever. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys, our greeters are coming down and uh, they're going to actually pass out to you a sunflower seed, okay? And I I just want you to have the seed throughout the whole message. And um, initially they had the ones you could eat, but I knew it's early and some of you might not have had breakfast. So we we actually got now the ones that have a little shell on them. And uh, so they're a little bit bigger too. Um, but I just want you to kind of keep this, if you can, keep the seed in your hand and just hold on to it. If it's too small and you feel like you're fumbling or whatever, go ahead and stick it in a pocket. Um, but I'd love for you to hold on to the seed. And I'm just going to go ahead while they're passing it out. And I'm going to read for you a, a passage and you'll see a little bit why I want you to hold on to the seed today. Uh, John chapter 12, verses 24 and 25 say this. This is Jesus. And it's near the end of his life. He's, he's, he's done most of his ministry. He's done a ton of healing. He's, he's taught a bunch and uh, done a ton of miracles. And then he's near the end of his life. And he says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The hour has come. It's right around the corner. And the glorification of me is coming. And then he says this, I tell you the truth. 
<laughs> and what's wild, if you open up the Bible and you see Jesus, he'll say this all the time. Every once in a while, he'll go, now I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> and what he's going, truly, truly, is another, if you look at the older versions, truly, truly, I say unto you, <laughs> you know. And so basically, whenever I see this, hey, I tell you the truth, okay, we, we, it's something that I always go, okay, let's see what he's trying to get across here. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, I've done this here so many times. I'm not, I just real quick, this see, when he says, I tell you the truth, there's no one in this room who goes, no, 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 I know this. I know if I take this seed that I just got and stuck it on that cement, it'll grow. Right? I mean, nobody in here, you see, when, if a teacher said, hey, I tell you the truth, if you dig a hole in the dirt and stick a seed in it and cover it over, it could grow. Yeah, I know that. If it just stays right here and doesn't ever die, uh, it's not going to grow. And we'd all go, yeah, I know that. See, you believe with all your being, you know that's just true naturally. But when Jesus comes to us and says, can I tell you the truth? Unless you die. Unless there's a sacrifice, you remain a single seed. He goes on to, put, to kind of share, what, well, what does that mean? He goes, well, the man who loves his life will lose it, <clears throat> while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So what he's saying to us is this, is the man who loves his life, no, so that person is the one who goes, sacrifice? Are you kidding? This is my life. Look out for number one. Follow your heart. Because my heart always loves me. And you take care of yourself. The man who loves his life and says, I'm going to live for me, is the one who what? Loses it. I mean, think about it. Every relationship that eventually ends is usually because people are going, no, it's about me. And you get two people doing that, you lose it. But the man who hates his life, and obviously he doesn't mean he hates your life. What he means is in comparison, my life is nothing. I totally give it up. The man who totally releases his life is the one who will keep it. In another place, he says, he's the one who will find it. You'll find your life. Now, this is just a principle of life. It's true about physical seeds. It's true about human nature and human relationships. But specifically, what he was trying to help us understand here is he was talking about himself. He said, I just want you guys to know the time has come for me to be glorified. And what was he talking about? Is he was talking about his own death. And I'm going to explain this to you best I can, okay? Because at the very core of what we believe is what I'm going to share with you today, that Jesus Christ coming into this world as the Son of God for the purpose of dying for you and me. This is the heart and soul of what Christianity is about. There's a lot of teaching about love and compassion and relationships and how to live and how not to live and all that kind of stuff. But all of that flows out of this thing right here. The first, this verse is not on your screen, but it's Romans 6.23 and it says this. The wages of sin, in other words, what you earn for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
So basically, what, what, this, what the Bible teaches us, and I'm going to read it here in a second, is there's just, there's nobody. There's no human being who has ever walked the earth in a right way with God. If, how many of you guys have would say, I mean, I don't even need to ask you that question. You know you haven't done that. You know you've done your own thing. You know you've said no to him. You know you've done things that you know aren't right with him. It's just true about every single human being. And then he says, that's just called sin. He goes, and then what you earn for that, the wage, the price, is actually separation from God. Separation from him. See, because if this is God and you're saying no to God and you walk away from God, then that's called you're separated from him. And if he is the one who gives us eternal life and you're separated from him, he says what you earn, the wage is death. So, forgiveness. So if you're, you guys ever been separated from somebody? You know, you ever, be, you ever had a relationship break and you're just not in sync and it's not happening? What needs to happen? There needs to be at some point, there needs to be forgiveness for this deal. And if there isn't forgiveness, then you actually never get reconciled and brought back into relationship with each other. And it's very, the same thing is true about God. Forgiveness for our sins is necessary for reconciliation to happen. This is what the Bible teaches us. We need to be right with God. So let's just, if I can just share, I'm just going to share this point blank. So, so the one thing I can know is if your life ends and you stand before him, you're going to be able to go, I heard this. I heard this. Every human being is sinful in their heart and is separated from God and needs to have their sin forgiven so that they can be reconciled back into a relationship with God so that they can live with him eternally. Okay? So here's how it goes. Go ahead and Romans 3, verses 21 through 25 says this. But now, now, even though we've had this separation issue, now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. So what he's saying is, now a righteousness being made right with God actually comes where? Anybody? From God. Not by the law. In other words, what he's saying is, hey, you don't have to try to do everything right because you've tried that and you can't do it. So now there's a righteousness that comes actually from God. Verse 22 says, this righteousness, again, from God, comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, and here's the verse, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace. We are justified freely by his grace. In other words, what he's saying is it'd be like being in a courtroom and you're standing in front of there and the prosecuting attorney gets up and says, well, now let me show you the list of the stuff he's done wrong. And you're sitting there on the other side going, he's right. Guilty is charged. And then all of a sudden, your, your defense attorney gets up and stands and presents a case. And this is the coolest thing. In, in 1 John chapter 2, it says your defense attorney is Jesus. And he gets up instead and he says, you are justified freely by my grace. You know what grace is? It's the free gift of God. 
a righteousness that you need to stand and be with God does not come from you trying to be good enough. It comes as a gift from God to you that you just receive. And he goes on, he says, you see freely by his grace. And here we go. I've got to explain a couple of these things. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. And I was sharing with Susie this morning. It's like, see, these are the words that in our culture we go, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. And, 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 and because who talks about redemption and atonement? Anybody use atonement in your verbiage this week? You know, you just found her at work and, hey, let me, uh, you know, the atonement. That, uh, you're not going to talk about that. So what does it mean? You guys, first of all, again, you got to understand that this sacrifice of Christ this idea of coming, being made right with God and being reconciled to him is a free gift from God. And here's what he says. He says, it is given to us through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Do you know what redemption is? The other word that's used is ransom. Ransom. You guys know that word, right? See, we've, we've even ransomed. Wasn't that a movie? That was a one intense movie, right? And what's happened is, the kids, wasn't it, who was the guy? Yeah, Mel Gibson, thank you. So his kid, right, is, is kidnapped and the guy wants a ransom. So he's like, there's a ransom, there's a price that needs to be paid. And what he says is, you have been justified, you have been freely given the gift to be brought back to God, forgiven because of the redemption through Jesus Christ. In other words, through the what? Through the ransom. In other words, through the payment of Christ. So what he says is, you know what? You guys are in trouble. You guys are slaves to sin, he said. You have actually are separated from me. And so, you know what? You guys can't rescue yourself. So Jesus says, so I'm going to come and I'm going to make the payment. I'm going to pay the price. Anybody remember what the price was? What was the wages for sin? death. The price for sin is death. And so Jesus comes along and he says, so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to die. I'm going to pay the price that you actually deserve. And then he goes on to say, this gift through the redemption, through the ransom, through the payment that came by Christ Jesus. And then he says, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. And here we go. What in the world's atonement? Well, this is how this works, you guys. This is what the whole Old Testament was about, to try to help us understand what was going to happen in Christ. Atonement is a substitute. It's a substitute. So in other words, you guys, we have a God who looks at us and he says, hey, you know what? Sin is not okay with me. Now, most of us sit here probably, my guess would be, that we sit there and we go, hey, come on, give me a break. You know, why, why don't you just love me? He goes, oh, I love you. Well, then why can't you just overlook my sin? He goes, because your sin is screwing up your life and your sin is hurting everybody else. See, now, as soon as we think about that, if we sit over here and we go, yeah, I've been sinned against. Anybody in here ever been sinned against? Okay. Now, when you're sinned against, what do you want? You want the person just to go, oh, you know, don't worry about it. Now, in minor instances, maybe, but when you go to a courtroom and someone has committed murder, someone has committed rape, someone has done sexual abuse, someone has done stuff that we consider horrific, would you really want the judge to sit up there on the stand and go, you know, hey, he's a good guy. 
That's okay. No. And so God looks at us and he says, listen, you need to understand something about me. We're going to teach this in about three weeks. He's holy. He's holy. And he hates sin because sin destroys and hurts people's lives. And so because of that and because he's just, God is going to punish sin. So that's another thing I want you to know when you face him someday, okay, that you go, yeah, I heard that. Did you hear it? God hates sin and it will be punished. It just will. And so what he does is say, now what would I need you guys to understand? Do you all understand that you're guilty? Okay, that's his first question. You guys, can you identify with that? Okay, you realize you haven't lived perfectly? Okay, we got that one down? All right, good. If you think you're perfect, we, we might need to have a conversation afterwards or just talk to your spouse or your kids or something. <laughs> Okay, we're all not perfect. Got that down. So then what God says is, okay. So then, by his grace, purely, by his free gift, all through the Old Testament, God would say, okay, here's the deal. The wages of sin is death. I need to be just towards sin and punish it. So this is what atonement was. Is he said, I'm going to provide for you a substitute that's going to die. And all through the Old Testament, you guys, for hundreds of years, God established this so the Jewish people would understand, I'm guilty, but this sacrifice, and then what he said is, by faith, by faith, you need to believe you need to identify yourself with that sacrifice and believe that my justice is taken care of, that my wrath, my punishment towards sin was in that sacrifice. He goes, and if you believe I love you that much to have something else die in your place and you receive that by faith, I know this doesn't make sense, but God says, now my wrath is satisfied, and you're forgiven. Now, let me explain this to you. I use this illustration here before. It's the best one I've got, okay? It's a story of an Indian chief that everybody loved. Everybody in the whole tribe looked at this guy, and they said, man, he is unbelievable. And what they loved about him is he was righteous, he was good, and he was just. And at the same time, what they loved about him is he loved everybody, and he really cared about people. And so one day in their village... All of a sudden, what was happening was um, there were some, uh, some robbery that was going on. And so they came out, they brought everybody into the, in the tribe around together, and they said, hey, listen, some stuff has been stolen from this certain tent, whatever, teepee. And they go, whoever it was, please come forward and just confess this sin. And nobody would do it. Another day goes by, more stuff is stolen. Bring everybody together, say, hey, this happened again. Who's guilty? Just come forward and confess. And nobody would do it. It happened a third time, and this time they caught him. They caught who it was. So the tribe comes out. They're all standing there. The chief is standing in his place of judgment, and they bring out the guilty one, and it's his mom. And everybody just kind of stops because they're like, what's he going to do? He's always been just and punished sin, but it's his mom 
and he loves her. She was caught red-handed. No question was she guilty. So everybody's standing wondering what's he going to do. He tells the, the, the guys around her to say, go ahead and tie her up to the pole because the punishment was 40 lashes. So they take his mom and they tie her to the pole and he says, and they get ready to administer the lashes and they grab the whips. And then right before they do it, he goes, hold on. And then he walks up and he takes off his shirt and he gets behind his mom and he wraps his arm around her and he goes, okay, now begin the punishment. And 40 lashes went out to satisfy the justice. But the love that he had for his mom is he said, I'll take it for you. I know of no better picture to explain to you what the sacrifice of atonement that Jesus Christ came to do is God looks at us and he says, every single one of you are guilty. But I'm going to send a sacrifice. Jesus said it over and over again. This is why I just need to tell you too. I just need to tell you. This is why when people say, he was a good teacher or he was a good model to follow. Yeah, he was a good teacher. He was a good model to follow. But he also was the one who said, if you really look at his teachings, he was saying, I have come. I have come to pay the ransom for your sin. I have come to die so that you don't have to. I have come to absorb within me the punishment that you deserve. And so when you ask me, why do you value sacrifice, Dave? I'll tell you why. Because I know what I deserve. And I believe with every fiber of my being that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who came here to take on my punishment. And I love him for it. And in light of that, he goes, and now you receive transformation. This is the gift of God. Not only our forgiveness, but something else happens. I love the guy in the story with Chris Henry. He says, I look at the world different now. I have a new pair of eyes. I see opportunity. I see life. So, many, so much of my time here now is more of a gift. See, this guy was going to die, right? And then all of a sudden, he receives this transplant, and now he's going to live. And he goes, I look at everything different now. Something changes. And here's the second reason why I value sacrificing. Okay? It's in Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read a couple verses for you, and then they're going to throw the rest of it up on the screen. Paul's writing, he says, what should we say then? Should we just go on sinning so that grace can increase? And then he goes, by no means. See, so what some people will do is they'll say, well, man, if Jesus died for my sins, you know, and it shows how much he loves me, then should I just sin a lot? Because if I sin, then he forgives me and we get to see how awesome his love is. And Paul's like, no, that's not exactly how this works, okay? He goes, "Uh, by no means. He says, because here's what he says. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And then the verse up here in verse 3, he says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You can live a new life. 
It's not up here, but I got to read the rest of it. He goes, if we've been united with Christ like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. See, you guys, there's a change. And this is why we value sacrificing. Because Christ, when you receive Christ, this baptism thing, and we've done this before, the baptism, it literally meant to dip in. So you take a piece of cloth and you dip it in a dye. And then when you pull it out, it was completely, every fiber of that cloth was infused with this dye. And because of that, it was totally different. What, let's say it was a white piece of cloth, baptized, comes out, and now it's red. It's completely different. And this is the miracle. This is the mystery. The Bible says that the hope of glory is Christ in you. When you put your faith in Christ, the Bible says all you do is it's a gift. And when you decide to say, you know what? I finally realize I am guilty before God and I do not want to stand in front of him and say, hey, God, look how good I was. Do you, anybody want to do that? You do not want to do that. So here's God saying, great, then receive my gift. Because Christ took it upon you. And then this is awesome. He says, as soon as you receive him, he goes, you are now baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, he goes into every fiber of your being. This is what you receive. This is what we teach here all the time. It's not about Dave Nelson trying to be really good. It's about Dave Nelson getting a transplant of a new heart, of a new life and a new hope. And so the Bible puts it this way. He goes, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You're a new creation. It's a transplant. And now Jesus actually lives inside us. This is now our reality. And anyone who has truly received Christ, if you're sitting out there and you're a Christian right now, you need to know that someone, this is so wild. He goes, don't you know that when you were baptized into Christ, you what? Died. See, it's the mystery. What happens spiritually is all of a sudden, the one who gives his life away enters into you and now you give your life away. It's not about you anymore. And I want to tell you, that is a gift from God. (laughs) Anybody want to agree? I mean, isn't the worst thing, can I just tell you? I'm not going to have time, which is such a bummer because I'm going to tell you, all of December for me is I slipped into my dark side. And do you know what the dark side is for every one of us? Is I just completely started living for me. I I know I'm not supposed to say, uh, I'll say it this way, it stinks. Because when you're a slave to yourself and you're doing whatever you want to do, everything falls apart. everything falls apart. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Thank you, God. See, the reason we call it the freedom of sacrificing all self-interest 
for the interests of God and others. You guys, there's nothing more freeing than waking up in the morning and not being about yourself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. More of us do. (laughs) Because that's what Christ came to do, was to get rid of our sin. And I want to tell you, man, that's hard. In Romans 12, 1, he says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in other words, in view of all that God has done to set you free, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. See, your worship, my worship is to say, I'm going to be a living sacrifice. In other words, I'm going to be a living dead person. I'm going to be so dead to myself that I'm going to live for God, and I'm going to live for Susie, and I'm going to live for my kids, and I'm going to live for you. I'm telling you, when you have a heart that wants to do that, it's called freedom. And in December, I just totally did a 180. I almost need another Sunday just to tell you. It stunk. Ask my wife. Because I thought I was fooling her. And the reality is, you guys, I just slipped into, I want to do whatever I want to do. Now, anybody done that? Okay. And as soon as you start doing what you want to do, things will start falling apart. And you know the crazy thing is? Every time I would feel that, I could totally, because Jesus lives in me. He does. His spirit is in me. And every time that I was doing what I wanted to do, instead, I'd hear him go, what are you doing? Nelson, wake up. And you know what I did? Uh Uh-uh. I so fell into saying, whatever I feel like, I'm going to do. And every time God said, don't do this, I said, I'm doing it. And you know what happens when you do that? Is every time you say no to God, it builds a layer on your heart. The Bible calls it, you get a hard heart. And what's crazy is every time you say no to God, it gets thicker and thicker and thicker. And then the stuff when he used to whisper and you'd hear his voice, now all of a sudden he whispers and you don't even hear him. I, I, I actually completely was able to justify my actions. See, because isn't that right? You guys know what I'm talking about? You justify your sin? You got this down, right? Because, man, this has been a hard year. I'm tired. I need a break. I need to think about me. And every time he said don't, I said I'm going to. And I'm telling you, man, it got scary. Because as soon as you start saying no to God, you have no idea where you're going to end up. See, nobody starts here on fire for God and then totally in sin. No, you, 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 you just say no, 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 no. Your heart gets harder and you end up way off where you never want it to be. And I just want to say thank God for New Year's. <laughs> I do. Because I woke up and I looked at this year and I thought, there's no way. Because I didn't want to come to church. I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to work hard. Didn't want to pour into my kids. Wasn't spending time with Sue's. Aren't you glad you have a pastor like me? <laughs> and, um, and it scared me to death. Because I had no power. And I was weak. And finally, I just I sat before him in the new year. Because you know, if you're a Christian too, try to have quiet time with God when you're saying no to him. Why do it? 
you know? Hey, let me sit down and pray. I know I'm not going to listen to you, but, you know, I'm supposed to. Eh, that doesn't work. So to start off the new year and just say, you know what, God? I know what it is to run with you. I know what it is to be free from myself. And I'm not there. And I had to have a really honest confession to him. And I just want to tell you, if you'll be honest with God and confess your sin to him, the beautiful thing is, he says, I was just waiting. I was just waiting. Because if you confess your sin to me, I will forgive you. All of my sin was in Christ's tree, uh, in his body on that tree, all of it. And man, on that day, on a Tuesday morning, I not only confessed, I repented. Do you know what that means? It means you turn around and you start running the other way. And it means you throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. See, and what it was entangling me was what? It was just sin. It was the opposite of sacrificing self-interest. It was sacrificing my wife and my kids and you, and I'm sorry, literally. I sacrificed you for me and her for me. We have a good marriage. I'm going to tell you what. In three weeks, we became totally disconnected. Scared the crap out of us. And we just said, well, now we want, no wonder. You want a, you want a marriage to struggle? Think about yourself. It's a great, you know, six easy steps to ruin your marriage. Um, you know, I just... And you got to confess it, and then you have to repent, which means whatever it was that was luring you away from God and others, you got to get rid of it and throw it off. And I'm going to tell you guys, I did. And then I, it says going to strict spiritual training, which I, don't, but I did. And I'm telling you, day, and this is what's so cool, within moments, I was free. I can't explain it. It's the gospel. It's the greatest news in all the world. And I literally felt a total renewal in my heart. And I'm not kidding. I wish you could have gone on the journey with me inside. I know I can screw up my life tomorrow. And so can you. And I know that I can be free from all of that by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in me. And it's my choice and it's yours. What do you want? What life do you want? And I tell you, it's just so great. I sat there and I'm like, 10 days later, in my journal, you can read it. I just, oh my gosh, God, your grace is so amazing. I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, in my heart, I'm hating what last month was drawing me in. I'm like, where'd that come from? Well, that's the gift of God. It's his grace. And you begin to hate what, you, what your flesh loves. And I'm sitting there and going, and I'm free. I actually want to love people now. See, because when you're all about yourself, you really don't want to be around people. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I want to be with people. I want to pour myself out again. I'm like, thank you, God. I am finally free. (laughs) And that's why we value the freedom of sacrificing all self-interest for the interests of God and others. So band, come on up. And we're going to give you a chance, you guys, right now to close out this service. And you've got this seed. And Jesus said, Unless the kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. And we have two things up here full with dirt, okay? And we're just going to give you a chance. Some of you have the seed, and you know right now, 
You just need to take the seed and you need to say, you know what, Jesus? I have never received your forgiveness. I have never been reconciled back to God. I have never received your Holy Spirit to give me a heart transplant. Right now, I'm separated from you and I'm going to stand in front of you based on my righteousness. No! I want the righteousness that comes from you. The gift that comes with Christ. And if you're feeling that this morning, man, I want you to grab that seed during the worship time and come up here, dig a hole, throw your seed in and go, oh, he's got my life. It's covered. And if you're a follower of Jesus today and you've been sacrificing everybody else for your self-interest, today's the day where you need to take this seed and say, I'm, I'm no more. He died so I would no longer live for my self. Don't you know that when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death. You died to sin. You're free. And if you haven't been living who you are, today could be your day like mine was on that Tuesday where you confess it to God and turn and repent. And if that's you and you need to do this, then come forward and dig a hole and die. Throw yourself back under. Crawl back up on the cross. Say, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Not only does your life depend on it, so does everybody you love.